This is the Front Page Podcast from the Red and Black. I'm your host, Owen Warden, and I'll be joined today by Lou Warnke, the copy editor for the Red and Black, and also my girlfriend, to discuss romantic advices around Valentine's Day. Well, Lou, we were asked by podcast editor John to come on and do a little staff advice on romance. We are, I believe, what, the only couple dating specifically in the office? Yeah. There's lots of people in the office who have, like, partners, but none of them are, like, dating someone who, like, also actively works here. Yeah. I think I think we are one of a kind in that sense. So we were asked specifically to come on, talk about our advice, um, and various things that we've been through as a not only a couple dating in college, because there's that angle, right? But there's also the angle of dating as coworkers, which I think are all fun things to, to work through. I know you were particularly stressed when we had to confront the dating as coworkers issue. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I was very like um, stressed that it was like, oh God, I hope like, I had this like weird fear that Kayla and Charlotte are like newsroom kind of leadership was going to be I don't know like upset at us or like be like god Lou like you're so unprofessional I was very stressed about it but it was like probably a five minute meeting to tell them and then it was like never discussed again yeah we were literally walking into the office today and Charlotte was all giddy because she helped uh John put together these questions so I I think it was not that as big of a deal as you thought uh which I was right about um you know, you don't have to say it like that, but... And yet I did. Um, let's hop right into some of these questions uh, and some of these pieces of advice to answer. I think we could probably answer the first part of this question as well as the second. Yeah, we can of, just, like, I guess go straight down. Of, um, you know, meeting and impressions. Um, I, truthfully, didn't really meet Lou until a little bit later, uh, but Lou, you had certainly an interesting first impression of well, me. Well, I feel like, I don't know, I was like, when I was reading through these questions, I was thinking about it, and like, I think we kind of met like three times before this actually stuck, because like, so the first time we were in like a class together, and basically like in that class we had, you know, to give presentations, and like at the end of your presentation, people could ask you questions, and this professor was like, a pretty harsh grader on these and it was just a class like nobody enjoyed taking and no one enjoyed presenting because it's like you know in front of a hundred people and it was also that you didn't get to pick when you presented it was randomly selected and unfortunately my group we had to go we were literally the last group in the entire class to present yeah my group was first so I got that out of the way quick yeah but um I remember like a couple like for the groups a few groups that had come before us you kept asking them like questions and, like, on this particular day when I was presenting this, I was, like, it was not a good day. I um, just was not with the best group. And, like, I basically overhauled the whole project the night before. I was super sleep-deprived. It was also, like, I think, like, literally the last day of classes, too. So we were about to go into finals, and I was stressed about that. Because when we got up there and started talking, you sat, like, right in the front row. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, if that blonde guy asks me a question after like i have already just done so much for this like i'm going to commit a felony yeah i was asking questions to get my participation grade up 
I had shattered my collarbone. You gotta gotta justify yourself. Here. I do need to. I don't want to seem like a nerd. I needed to get my participation grade up because I had missed about two, three weeks of class uh, because of a shattered collarbone. Was just trying to get my participation grade up just because at that time I was a lot more worried about getting high A's than anything else. Now that did make me seem like a nerd. But moreover, I didn't meet Lou really. I I had no idea that this girl wanted to kill me until she would tell me many years later. But I initially met her at just like a red and black picnic. It was just a regular... You beat were, writer you weren't even on like staff yet no i like, was close it, i almost got on but yeah, i wasn't were, on yet you were like a contributor and just kind of like came to this little event i cared having. i was a contributor that cared oh sorry all right me. and i played i played uh cornhole with john and Stu, and as well as maddie franklin and eventually some girl wearing overalls and a like a light blue t-shirt and glasses pulls up and she just starts talking to the two people I knew again, John and, and, and Stuart Steele, the former sports editor. And I'm like, Oh, well that girl's pretty cute. Uh, not really thinking much of it. Fast forward. I think the time we finally met and it stuck was probably at post training for the red yeah, and black. I think it was like, it was like one of our first digital productions after training, like, I just went over to the sports desk to, like, talk and hang out with John, and you were there, and we started talking, and I just kind of started doing that every weekend. Like, that time, we actually, like, kind of, we did, like, become friends, and we actually didn't know each other. Yeah, and then over time from there, hung out a lot. We spent a lot of time together over the summer as, you know, running the news and sports desks, respectively, as well as uh, both kind of splitting the copy editing duties. And then over time, we went to a Braves game. Um, some, I believe, what, you liked me first, and then shortly after that Braves game, I then asked you out. Yeah, I think and that's then, how it went. And then shortly after that, we had dinner at that Italian place downtown. We also witnessed people getting into, like, a fight in oh, college, yeah. college at, like, that square on College Avenue. Yeah, because the gaming arcade that you wanted to go to was closed. Right. So instead of going there, I took you to get ice cream. And we just watched and, people get into a fight and yeah, laughed about it. just in the middle of downtown near the Chick-fil-A and the Baskin-Robbins, and it was great. We both had a really, lot of fun there. Really a great start to any relationship is witnessing a fight together. And, like, it was, like, to be clear, it was, like, a really lame fight. It was, like, people, like, yelling at each other and, like, pushing each other. It was not, like, no one was hurt. But, yeah, I think one thing is, like, obviously as people that – are together in like a workplace you know how would you say we kind of navigated the conflicts of dating at work yeah and just like setting boundaries honestly i think that i I never like i don't think we ever had that much of a hard time with it i think it was really like awkward at first because we were kind of like you know obviously everyone knew we were friends and like we had been um we both worked here for a bit by the time we started dating And I think we were at first, like, you know, we kind of hadn't, like, we're still kind of telling people, and we were sort of like, okay, like, how much, like, is it going to freak people out that we're together? Is it going to be really weird? Like, we just weren't sure what was going to happen. I think it's easier now because, like, it's just a thing everybody knows and is, like... Well, we thought everybody knew. 
we found out that Nava did not. That not- was that was very awkward. Nava Rawls, our digital managing editor, I guess unfortunately did not find out we were dating until she went to like, like we a mutual like- friend's birthday party where we were there together. But that was that was very funny. But like um I mean I think for me at least, I guess the way I always do it is like I guess my first priority in the office is like obviously this is a professional space. We all have to like share and get things done. So I guess it's mostly just about like you know, we just don't want to be, like, make people uncomfortable. It would be really weird to be all over each other at the office. And, like, you know, I might, like, touch your hand or, like, I love sitting next to you. I, like, I don't know. It just makes me very happy to sit next to you and, like, talk to you during work. But, like, you know, I think I think we're both in pretty much an agreement of, like, we're not going to be all over each other because, like, ultimately, like, we need to be productive and we don't want to make it, like, weird or, like, a hostile environment for, like, other people, especially people who may be, you know, newer. So... Yeah. You don't want to make people uncomfortable. I think that's kind of what it is. But again, we spent, what, like six months, eight months working together already. So we kind of already had an expectation of what working working with each other was like. And, you know, you don't need to do much else other than that. You know, we we just kind of kept up that same relationship in work and outside of work, you kind of do whatever you want. Um I liked sitting next to you and talking to you before we started dating, and I like it just as much, if not more, now that we are, you know? So that that didn't really need to change anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, just be respectful for people. But beyond work, you know, I, I think it's interesting to like keep, kind of take a look and like, like what's kind of the keys to making a healthy relationship, and, and what does that maybe look like, in your opinion? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, like, one, communication about, like, everything. Even if it's just, like, I think sometimes, like, what I run into is, like, maybe I just feel bad about something or, like, I'm upset and I'm, like, I can't totally pinpoint why. So I think sometimes, though, like, I don't know. What I appreciate about you is that, like, I feel very comfortable just being, like, oh, like, I just have, like, even if it's not even, like, about you or something you've done, even if it's just, like, oh, like, I'm just feeling really weird today or really off and just kind of talking through it with you until, like, we can identify it, I think that kind of communication and support for each other helps a lot. And I think also, um, you know, sometimes, like, I feel like, you know, we've both had moments where we're, like, upset and it's just good to give the other person space where it's, like, okay, I'll just leave you alone for a couple hours where you can kind of cool down, take a nap, do what you need to do and then we can come back and like talk about this and sort through it once kind of that initial like you know um negative feelings have blown over yeah communication i think is really just the the biggest thing when you keep things kind of hidden from each other i think that's when you kind of get to a point where problems start to arise because you're not discussing what's going on what might be going wrong and stuff like that. So I think a balance of communication and then just proper time and space, you know, there you need to leave time for each other to also be an individual, you know, you need to leave time for them to have their own lives and stuff like that, but at the same time, be there to support them through that, you know. We're college students, we're about to go off. Lou landed her first job, which I'm so extremely proud of her about, and I'm in that process, so, you know, it's one of those things of, you know, supporting her through, you know, getting ready for a move and 
to uh, a different city and, and preparing me to apply and, and get going on stuff like that. So it's all it's all really interesting stuff. So the key thing is just being supportive of each other, you know, communicating your feelings. You know, if you're feeling something, you talk about it. You don't hide it. You don't keep it buried because that's kind of the worst thing to do, um, I found. But um, and, and I feel like when you do keep things buried, you know, you kind of remove trust, you know, and I think that's that just honesty and, and stuff like that is is how you establish that trust and, and how you, that openness is how you establish that trust. But what do you think? Yeah. And I think some of it is it's also about like, I don't know if I love the word low stakes communication, but it's all I can think of. So I'm going to go with it. But just kind of like interactions and communication isn't necessarily like we're talking about big, serious problems. But even where it's just like just kind of talking to each other about like, oh, what happened today? Like, I think my favorite thing you said was like, I'll call you. And sometimes and it's either the options are like five minute rant about something that happened today. No interruptions or 10 minute rant about something that happened today with like brief interruptions. And like, I don't know, I think that's good for us is just to be able to call in for me to be like this person in my class said like the dumbest thing I've ever heard today um, or just like joke with you about something and stuff I think is good too. I don't know. I think it just kind of builds that trust and gets you into the habit of like understand, you know, kind of understanding each other's feelings and like being open and vulnerable with each other, you know, even if those interactions may feel like kind of like silly or inconsequential, they matter a lot. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, I think that's super key. So another thing that we have in our notes that I actually think is very important to talk about, because, like, you know, kind of in addition to our notes, I feel like this is something that, like, people maybe feel stigma around talking about, which is not the way it should be. But how important is sexual wellness to a relationship? I just think it's one of those things that, like, it, it's tough because a lot of people disagree if it's needed or not. I think that depends on the person, um, the type of person I am. I think it's important um, to do it in a healthy way where you're both looking to get something out of it. Obviously, it's not supposed to be a one-sided affair. But again, I think a lot of it does come down to there needs to be conversations about it. You need to make sure both partners are ready and comfortable with this. Obviously, doing it safely is the biggest key and making sure that you're proper caution for stuff like that but honestly sexual wellness stuff is a little bit newer for me since i kind of waited for a while kind of spent a lot more time in in kind of that religious mindset um until i realized that i decided to move on from that a little bit um and there's plenty of risks and dire things to kind of work through when you're working through that process it's not just easy to just kind of flip that switch on and i think doing it in a healthy way where you're both happy and you're you're both doing it in a way that you're both comfortable with it and again continuing to have conversations about it i think having good conversations about it is key to making sure it's healthy because having an having an intimacy like that i think can be important for a relationship no i agree and i think like i guess i should preface this with like i define sexual wellness very broadly Um, I guess meaning from everything to like thinking and like talking with others about sex to like actually doing it you know to also like you know literally like your health like going to the doctor and like getting tested and being safe 
no i think that is really important because especially from the standpoint of like part of sexual wellness is like talking and thinking about sex and your comfort level like i think that's something that even if you're like in a casual relationship with someone or even something where it's not even like a labeled thing like anybody that you are like in in any kind of like intimate relationship with you need to like discuss like what is our comfort level with sex what am i comfortable with what am i not comfortable with like where are those boundaries and like just kind of always be talking about that because like it is like people just have so many different views and like approach it so differently where you have some people who like are very happy in you know relationships without sex um maybe they're waiting for marriage maybe there's someone who's asexual you know there's all kinds of reasons why but there's also people who like think sex is very important to their relationships and it's really important to gauge like how you as well as your partner both feel about that and how you choose to like you know go about that and then when you know somebody does something that like you know if your partner does something that makes you uncomfortable you know you should talk about that and figure out like how do we avoid that in the future and that kind of thing because like you know i think sexual wellness it is not just like something that applies when you are physically doing the act or like going to the doctor and like getting tested it also is about like assessing yourself and talking to others about how you think and how you feel and how you're you know what you're comfortable with too yeah uh, i would i would say yes um <laughs> yeah um it's not the most uh, again i'm not as comfortable talking about it as i would like to be um again it, it's a little bit newer for me but um no and i think i think that's like very normal you know because both in religious communities of many faiths that is something that's stigmatized and also like you know particularly for women i know that was something that like you know when i was like growing up and when i was like you know kind of a teenager and things and like learning about this, these things it always felt like kind of dirty for like women to want sex or women to experience desire so i know i kind of felt a similar thing of like you know guilt around experiencing sexual desire and things like that um that kind of also took me some time to like get over and was like something i had to work on a lot so i think that like i i think that's like a very normal thing in our culture so yeah let's kind of continue with the controversial train right relationships becoming exclusive first talk about when we kind of became exclusive um, and then kind of when do you think a relationship usually should? So actually, I feel like this the answer for us is a little bit like silly because like um, we started like we went on our first date and I remember like that first date we were like, you know, like we'll see how this goes. And then if we like decide that this went well, like we'll tell our friends and like our like, you know, office our bosses and stuff and we'll go from there and it did go well obviously we would not be sitting here if it went poorly but so we went on like our first date and like afterward we were both like well we don't want to put a label on it right away but it wasn't like either of us were seeing anybody else we were just seeing each other um and that went on for about a month and we were just like okay i guess we're like i guess you're my boyfriend now he he so I don't know. I feel like for us, it, like, honestly, probably, like, if we're saying exclusive, if we're going to use that word, it was probably always exclusive because, like, neither of us were really on dating apps. Like, 
I don't know. We just kind of, I don't know. I just felt like we were just very much like on the same page and we just, we just liked each other and we wanted each other. Um, but like, I don't know. I feel like that's a complex question. Cause like I have friends who like are in very happy relationships with their partners and like it maybe took them much longer to become exclusive. You know, at the same time, I do think you kind of have to set boundaries though. Like, um, you know, I think everyone knows the like kind of joke about like oh the situationship that like last three months where it's like i'm ready to put a label on it but you know other person won't like commit and i think like i don't think that like honestly the exclusivity is the issue there i think it's like the wavering and the lack of communication you know i mean if you have one person who like is really ready to be together and this other person who just you know or to make it exclusive however you want to phrase it and this other person who's kind of being like wishy-washy about it and maybe not communicating why or like you know it's kind of like the lady doth complain too much um doth protest too much you know there's just a lot of excuses like you definitely do hit a point where you kind of for your own health need to just go like why is this happening like why can't this person just be transparent with how they're feeling and what they want from this or realize you know maybe this person is being transparent and it's just not what I want. We have two very different like end goals in mind and we just need to like cut our losses and just find people who do like both want the kind of relationship that we want. Yeah. To shorten Lou's answer, it took us a month, I think to officially be exclusive. We weren't really seeing other people at that time, but you know, we gave it a month to make sure that we were comfortable with this and we were happy with it. And then, yeah, from there, we, we've kind of gone from there. But, yeah, I, I think just play it by year. You know, when you are when you both are comfortable to make it exclusive, make it exclusive. Yeah. Speaking of being exclusive, or more so people who aren't, what are your thoughts on open relationships? Can they work? I think they can. It, it kind of depends on the partners. That's not my style. I'm not somebody that would want to do something open, especially because I feel like nine times out of ten they don't work. Um, but I'm not going to harsh anybody's vibes. If that's something that you guys feel that you and your partner decide that you want to go for, go for it. But that's not my brand or, or cup of tea is to go an open relationship. I'm much more of a one partner sort of thing. But, hey, if that's if that's the way you want to go for it, go for it. Yeah, I think I feel similarly of, like, I don't really judge anybody who wants to go that route. But, you know, I think that it kind of does, like really come down a lot to communication you know like are you setting boundaries around like you know kind of the other relationships your partner is having like you know are you talking about who each person is seeing and you know I think I think like in a way it almost takes that like need for communication to an extreme because you're doing something that like you know is like could has the potential to create a lot of like mistrust or jealousy um or even like you know from a sexual health standpoint can like even open you up to like additional risks to like disease and other issues um so i think that like communicating being open and honest is really really important in that um and i i think like it can be really i think it can be done i think it's very difficult but i think it can be done but personally i'm with you which is probably really good that we're in agreement on this topic 
Um, I'm also not big. I would never, like, personally go for an open relationship. So. Agreed. So diving more into kind of controversy, is it possible to be friends with an ex? I mean, like, depends when you dated. Like, it depends on how far back you go with the ex classification. My vote is no, mostly because I feel like if it if they're your ex, it probably didn't end super amicably. Plus, I think that's just a if you're gonna put that on a partner, is be like, hey, check out this other person I dated. Also, you have to be okay with it. Yeah, you yeah. have to be okay with it. I decided. Not a crazy big fan of that. So, I'm gonna say no. I think probably just keep your distance on that. I'm sure there's ways that it works. But for safety for everybody, let's not mess with that. Yeah, I think it is always, like, I think regardless, it's always going to be a little bit awkward. I think in the cases of, like, you know, sometimes you may have someone who you very casually saw or something, you know. I think maybe that could be less weird. But I think regardless, it's still always going to be, like, an element of awkwardness you know in that relationship and it's going to definitely be a big ask for future partners especially more serious partners to just be like here's my ex be cool with it and i don't know just in my experience i find the people who are like really good friends with their exes like are friends with their exes kind of tend to be like drama magnets a little bit tend to just kind of like have other things like going on and kind of maybe just a general like lack of boundaries So I don't, yeah, I don't, I just don't think it's, like, a great idea. So we've talked a little bit about various different things about a relationship, but I know, like, in the modern era, we as, obviously, you know, people in Gen Z being younger, social media is already just kind of a a major thing. We don't really kind of mess around in that. Neither of us post very often. You don't have anything. any posts on your Instagram. Nope. You actually recently deleted all your posts. The I did. most recent of which was from when you were in middle school. That is true. <laughs> um, so and then I haven't posted since, since 2020. I... No, that's not true. I posted when I went to the Taylor Swift concert last year. That's right. And before then, it was 2020, I think. Or 2021. It was 2022. It was when I went to Cuba. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have, you, you're averaging one post a year. <laughs> yeah. And I'm averaging zero. <laughs> Yeah, none since middle school. Awesome. So we don't really traffic in social media, but how much do you think that social media should be a play in relationships? So first off, I think, like, if you are basing, like, your relationship, like, on social media, if that, like, you may need to reexamine your relationship with social media. Um, I just think, like, you know, in a way, if you're, like, kind of you can be too public i think in my opinion of like posting your partner all the time and like it almost becoming like i think more so particularly people who are like have very large accounts maybe are like influencers or like you know influencer adjacent maybe is a good way to describe others who like maybe don't do it full time but still have brand deals or like you know kind of doing some sort of business related things on social media I think when you have your partner, like, on your social media a lot, you know, you're naturally going to open yourself up to, like, kind of the judgment of others, you know, and that can potentially, like, interfere with your relationship and things is, like, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people on social media are not very positive. Um, And I think it's also, too, like, it can put pressure on a relationship to kind of, like, 
you know, be this palatable, marketable thing that you can kind of, especially, you know, like I said, if you're someone who's, you know, using your social media to promote yourself or make money in any capacity, you then have kind of tied your personal life and your relationship to your income and your, like, career and your brand. And that is, like, I just don't think that's, like, healthy. You know, that puts a lot of expectations on you to almost perform your relationship in a way that will, you know, make it look desirable online to others and kind of photos and things. And, you know, even just things that are very normal, like conflicts or disagreements, you know, there may be almost pressure on you to, like, hide those things from each other, to not have the most open, transparent discussions, you know, simply because, like, you know, you need to make it look perfect for the gram. So I personally, like, I think it's fine, po like, I'm fine posting in, like, kind of a, a capacity where it's like, oh, my mom and my friends will, like, see this. But I'm not really a big social media user in general, and I think you just have to be aware, too, of, like, you know, there is an element of, like, kind of performance on social media in that you are kind of, if you're posting tons, and if you have a large account that you may be exposing your relationship to. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things that when you kind of just break it down, it just, I, I, I wouldn't put too much into it just because it's not my thing. But I think also you kind of run the risk of exposing your private life publicly. I mean, if you want to do that, go for it. But I think it gets to a point where it gets a little excessive, but truthfully do what you want is my ultimate thing. Um, but I think you run the risk of a lot of complications by exposing your private life like that. But, hey, that's their call. But, again, another another kind of personal call of, of what it, what different people think is, like, public displays of, of affection. You know, are you more supportive of it? Are you against it? You know, does it change depending on where you are? Because I think it absolutely does. And, like, how, how, what goes in your mind of kind of determining when public displays of affection are allowed or not allowed? You know, I think a lot of it depends on the setting. Like, we talked about earlier, like, when we're in the office, we, you know, I love holding your hand sometimes or just, like, maybe just kind of having, like, our arms touching while we're sitting next to each other. Like, very small ways where it's, like, you know, I know you're there and that's comforting, but not in a way that's, like, overt so as to like make people uncomfortable you know because it like it is a professional environment like people are here to socialize they're here to work um and we don't want to like make that environment like unfriendly um to that or you know to make people uncomfortable or be distracting or annoying i think like it's very different though like when we're just hanging out with our friends or like we go to a party together or you know we're just like at home or something I think that that's very different because then like I think it's totally fine like you know I I you know will absolutely like kiss you if we're at trivia hanging out with our friends or you know hold your hand or put my arm around you or let you put your arm around me because um you know that's a social event it's casual people like you know obviously I'm never one where it's like I sometimes occasionally like I'll be in like a public space and there will be like a couple who's like are like eating each other's faces <laughs> somewhere in the room and I like would never be down with that just because I think it's weird to do that there but you know like yeah I will absolutely like 
you know be closer to you and be more affectionate with you in public like as so long as it is like a more casual social setting and it's not something like the office where like people are actually trying to work and do their jobs yeah no if if you're actively making out in the middle of a coffee shop like you need to find better things to do um so we'll answer these next two pretty quickly these these little controversial ones first one lou i'll let you name them because i don't really have any other that are just basic what are your biggest red flags in a relationship what are your icks per se my icks per se um and how many of them do i do (laughs) i think for me the biggest red flag in a relationship is people who can't like be alone and i mean that in the sense of like where it's like even if you're just like you know i'm a person where sometimes i just need my space it's not even against anyone it's just like sometimes i just like to like sit by myself quietly and like read or like do my work and i just don't really want to text people or be bothered and like i think the biggest red flag for me is like people who like can't respect that um who feel the need to kind of always be like you know they always need me to be paying attention to them or they always need me to like be talking to them or some capacity it can never like they're never secure enough to just be like you know oh even though we're not directly interacting right now i know that like you still care about me and like this that's not changed you just need kind of some time to chill yeah biggest red flag i think comes down to um i think it's people that like is it just dumb people like that's such a terrible way of phrasing it, but, like, people that, No, that's like, a great way of phrasing it. Keep going. I love this. But, like, people that, like, just don't mentally try, you know? The ones that are just, like, oops, too hard. That and, like, people that, like, just actively have no drive or ambition. Like, the people that just, like, sit and are comfortable being, like, I'm gonna just be... I'm just going to do nothing for the rest of my life, and I'm happy about that. I crashed my car into a gas pump one time. Does that mean I have no drive? I guess you don't, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, I think I think it's the lack of like the lack of trying a lot of times is is the biggest red flag for me. I think that's the best way of phrasing it. Cool. And I can't um, wait to ask this one. Go for it. Um how many days per week do you hate your partner? 0. 24/7, baby. Thanks, babe. So we got a little bit of a lightning round here. We're going to go quickly, give a quick answer, not much explanation unless there is a difference in our opinions. Um, I but have, yeah. what, if, what if I have a funny story? If you have a funny story, you can share it. Okay, but, but you don't think anything I see is funny. That's true. All right, so I'll, I'll go ahead and read all these out, and um, you give an answer, and I'll say if I agree or not. Okay. All right, so who's more likely to lock themselves out of their home? Me. Yeah, definitely you. I actually did this one Yeah, time. of course you did. <laughs> Who's more likely to survive in a zombie apocalypse? I'd lean you yeah. just because I think you'd be smarter in the situation. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I could... You're, you're a big softie. I am a big softie. Like, I think I could do what's needed for, like, around whatever base we're in, you know, but, like, I'm not... Base? You're assuming we're in a base? And I would assume so. running around in the woods with a, some, like, homemade if, weapons in our wits? If we're actively running, then I would survive more. 
Okay, but you just said I was smarter than you. Yeah, because <laughs> you would probably be able to get out of more situations. But okay. if the situation is running, I think I would be Okay, the that is fair. That is fair. But no. see, uh, I have a weapon, so I'll be okay. Well, that's good. All right, who's more likely to know about the hottest new restaurant before everyone else? I feel like me. Yeah, you. Who's more likely to reply all to a company-wide email? Definitely you. I was going to say you because you would do it intentionally to spite someone. I uh, I mean, yeah, sure, to spite someone. But, again, the way this so question is phrased. So the answer is yes, basically. The the way this question is phrased, I think it's more likely to who's who's going to do it in, like, a whoopsies kind of way. And that's 100% you. Okay, well, you know what? To prevent that, I actually have my Gmail set to where I can unsend something within a minute of me sending it. So I would realize that immediately and hit unsend. Well, that's I'm great. Smart. But, yeah, you're still likely to do it. Um, who's more likely to have over 5,000 unread emails? Lou has 1,300. That's not right. That's not right. Sorry. Actually, according to the tab I have open in my computer in front of me right now, I have 26,327 unread emails. Awesome. It's worse. Um, so, yeah, Lou, absolutely. Who's more likely to laugh in a serious situation? I would say you? I don't know. I feel like we both just laugh at serious situations when we absolutely should not. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the situation. Right. Um, who's more likely to cry during a said movie? Now, that's you. absolutely me. That's you. When um, I showed you the 2019 Little Women, you were bawling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who's more likely to make new friends on a night out? Also me. Yeah, I feel pretty fair. good about that. Um, who's more likely to randomly bring home a new dog? Absolutely you. That is me. Who's more likely to text on my way while they're still getting ready? That's me for sure. That is you. You're really slow at getting ready. I am. Who is more likely to cancel on plans last minute? I, I feel like that's hard for us. We like, don't cancel. Again, I would say- We the, both have chaotic jobs. Yeah, so it's one of those things that it's just like, things just come up for us sometimes, and a lot of that time is why we're end up we're late to a lot of things, but you're better at being there, so I guess me. Um, yeah. Who's more likely to text back? Um, to forget to text back. To that's forget? You. Oh, that's me for sure. That's you. You're yeah, of course. When we first started like dating, I remember I actually would get like a little bit stressed because I would send a text and you just wouldn't reply to me for hours and hours. And I was always like, did I do something? My and inbox was, is full. The answer was no. You just don't answer your texts ever. No. Who's more likely to get lost while using a GPS? Me. Y- you for sure. And who's more likely to forget your anniversary? Okay, so I actually put this one last because I have a cute story. Okay, go so for it. So for our six-month anniversary, we both, like, just, like, forgot. <laughs> and it wasn't even, like, we we were mad about it. We just, I remember we just spent the day together because, like, we were just going to work and doing our thing. And I remember, like. It was 11.56. It was literally, like, four minutes before midnight. And we were sitting on your bed, and I was like, yo, you remember what, what I just remembered? It's our six-month anniversary. But I remember we weren't mad about it because we were like, you know, we just got to spend it together. And that's, like. That's all I wanted. Yeah. I do know that I we I did plan a brunch thing for us um, early in the week because mm-hmm. I knew we would be busy and likely forget the anniversary. So we, we did we did celebrate it. We just didn't celebrate it that day. And we didn't even remember that the day, though, was like our no. anniversary. But I think we were just very happy to be together and it didn't really matter, you know? I think that's all that matters. But I think that'll do it um, for this. Thank you so much for watching the front page by the Red and Black and I was your host, Owen Warden, uh, sports editor at The Red and Black, joined by the lovely Lou Warnke, copy editor. To hear more podcasts from the lovely John James, obviously, always feel free to look at redandblack.com slash podcasts. Obviously, uh, feel free to look on other places where you get your podcasts. Um, but thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Love you, babe. Love you, too.